Welcome to the Video Insiders Podcast. I'm Carlos Pacheco. And I'm Tom Martin. And we are two grizzled YouTube industry veterans with billions of views between us. And we're here to give you our two cents on the business of YouTube so you can make more dollars. News, strategy, insights, and just a sprinkle of what, Tom? Just a little sprinkling of snark. A snark. <laughs> uh, it's good to talk to you again, Tom. Cool, 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 cool. How are you, man? What's uh, what's uh, what's the weather like in Toronto? We haven't had an update. You know what? We haven't had an update in weeks. I'm, I I can't sleep at night. I don't know what. I don't know if you're wearing <laughs> t-shirts and shorts. I don't know if you've got you know your sunglasses on or uh, a kind of goose down coat. Please let us let us know. That's really funny because I was just thinking about the same thing. And we've had such extreme weather here in the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, parts of Canada received something like 90 centimeters of snow. Whoa. That's insane. It's not where I live, but parts of Canada. And funny enough is that I got a new client and it's the weather network wow. in Canada. <laughs> and, you know, so now I'm like knee deep in weather news all the time. <laughs> Match made in heaven. <laughs> but yeah, things are rocking and rolling. New leads, new clients, uh, new opportunities left and right. So it's it's really tough to sort of like to pinpoint anything. But yeah, like I said, uh, onboarded a new client over the last couple of weeks and things are moving along, obviously getting really good uh, feedback right from the start. And lots of weird little sort of like positive things coming our way. Like we, I've heard a lot of like people who knew about our podcast, but hadn't really looked at it or really listened to it and then binged on it for the past couple of weeks and gave me honest feedback and positive feedback. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, we're, we're, we're sort of like, you know, low key guys. We're not really like, you know, we don't, I don't, I'm not like saying like, we're making the best podcast in the world, but it's great to hear, you know, some positive feedback directly. Yeah. We want people to put this feedback on Apple podcasts, but you know, in person is also appreciated. We'll take both. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, how you been? Yeah, good. Again, very, very uh, heads down with client work, which is, it's been a very good start to the year on that front. Speaking season is uh, just about to start kicking in. I've got about four or five gigs wow. in the next few months quite a bit of international travel you're like mr speaker yeah there's a few that I, I i don't think are public yet so um i won't say anything until the next recording probably but yeah some uh some pretty cool exotic locations and yesterday i got yet another invitation to a, a probably my biggest audience yet so uh yeah very very uh exciting times for tom martin the speaker nice i got one and uh it's coming up in may it's called uh, social media north it's gonna be in stratford ontario and um yeah that'll be uh, really interesting for me uh, i'm not a big public speaker i don't you know do a lot of presentations not that i'm haven't done them in the past. I just don't, I don't pursue them. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should pursue them. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's, um, I, obviously I love to travel because I, I work in my little home office and it's nice to see the world, but also it's probably my number one way of generating, um, new clients. So yes, I would definitely it's recommend true. it. I would definitely recommend it. Before we get into today's special interview episode and more about that in a minute, we of course have to say thank you to our amazing sponsors. All right. Thank you, TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is the ultimate tool for creators to streamline their daily workflow on YouTube, allowing for more time to make great content. For brands to help reduce busy work and focus on what matters, growing your business on YouTube. For agencies to help manage multiple client channels and for networks, which gives partners the tools for success and an attractive incentive to recruit. Tom, is there a special offer? Of course there is. You can get a exclusive Video Insiders multi-channel license discount by visiting videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy. I just wanted to say, actually, there's uh, a new addition to the TubeBuddy team that I think we both oh. know quite well. Mm -hmm. um, Rob. 
previously working at Thinkific. We'd met at a couple of conferences, had a few chats online, a lot of interaction on social media. He's done a lot of good stuff on LinkedIn, particularly, I've noticed. And he's just joined TubeBuddy as a brand ambassador. So, um, yeah, cool. Well, we'd love to have you on, Rob, to uh, talk more about your past and your future with TubeBuddy. Uh, welcome to the TubeBuddy family. Welcome to the TubeBuddy family. Full disclosure, uh, Rob uh, got in touch with me this week and wants to have us you me separately together on a show i don't know if it's a, a podcast or or video i think it's video so uh something's uh, getting uh, done soon cool i will get my beard trimmed for the event <laughs> <laughs> today's a special episode it's one of the famed tom interview episodes tell us a bit about who cade dworkin is yeah so cade is a very very good friend of mine we've we've spent uh a, quite a bit of time this year um while i've been traveling for conferences i've known of cade through uh, a number of facebook groups and mutual friends over the years we'd exchanged a lot of uh stuff back and forth on social this year i got to speak to Cade for the first time properly on a on a video call because i needed some help with some tech stuff with regards to my business and some of the repetitive tasks that i was doing again and again and again i wanted some help to automate that and uh, Cade came extremely highly recommended and now i would be extremely happy to recommend Cade because he's transformed a, a massive part of my business not only that he's just a super super interesting guy he's really really well connected in the youtube world you'll hear you know that he's he's worked worked with some of the the biggest names in the space also good friends with a lot of big names in the space especially the kind of og guys and uh he's built a couple of amazing businesses and a couple of incredible tools which we'll speak about at the other end of the conversation but yeah just an all-round coding genius youtube genius smart funny guy and i think there's you know a lot that um you can learn by listening to this and absolutely no doubt there'll be a whole host of you that want to get in contact directly with Kade as soon as you uh, hear the podcast all right we'll uh loop back uh, after the interview let's get started So I'm so excited to welcome to the show my good friend and all-round YouTube and tech genius, Cade Dworkin. Cade, pleasure, pleasure to be speaking to you today in this official and formal capacity. The first question for you, is that your real name? Because, sorry, that just sounds like something out of like a movie. Like, we don't have any Cades in the UK. Is that your real name? Uh, so, no, it is technically a nickname, but it has been my nickname for the better part of 20 years at this point. It actually is a nickname from a baseball situation from way, way back in the day. And it's something that uh, I have used ever since for a variety of reasons, some of which I think we'll get into here. Oh, wow, wow. I actually thought it was your real name. So. No, it's not. <laughs> wow, wow. So... I've already learned something, so I just I know we're going to learn so so much. <laughs> um, so, Cade, we first became aware of each other in a, a Facebook group that we both belong to called VidPro. Lots of mutual friends and contacts in that group, and then we were introduced more formally by uh, our mutual friend Chris, who is a former business partner of mine, very very good friend, and. Um, we had a Skype call and Chris was telling me about some stuff you were working on. I was telling you all about what I was working on. And our, our first kind of call, I'd say, was probably like a business call because yeah. I was asking you to to develop something for me, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later. We're not going to give away too much because that really is like my secret weapon. <laughs> but I was just blown away by your experience on YouTube, your work history, your kind of creative history, the tools that you've created, the systems and companies that you've created that are kind of YouTube centric. So I'm just going to, I've spoken far too much already. So please tell us who is Cade, nickname Cade, uh, and kind of how did your relationship with YouTube start and how did that take, you know, turn into what would become like a, a career or a, a professional path? 
Yeah, I mean, I am a problem solver at heart, and uh, through various bends and weird pathways through my professional career, I've always used that ability to find incredible jobs and work opportunities. Um, you know, if you look at my past history, I've done everything from putting together evidence packages for law enforcement to put people in jail for internet crimes to handling corporate crisis communications for billion-dollar media conglomerates, all the way down to you know creating an idea that ultimately has a U.S. patent on it. Um, in particular though, my relationship with YouTube got very serious in 2008. Uh, and that's actually when I was getting my master's degree. I started writing my master's thesis on YouTube and a friend's company, a company called Revision 3, which was ultimately bought by Discovery Digital. Uh, and so I built this entire kind of thesis around the new media model and how, you know, viewership and sponsorship behind that could actually create a profitable business. And so this is 2008, 2009, way before you know a lot of the normal monetization strategies were in place. And so that's kind of where it really changed for me into becoming very kind of interactive with the old school, original YouTube crew. And then in particular, you know, when it really, really changed and I, YouTube became my primary thing was in 2015 when I got laid off. And I was on a road trip through the entire US at the time, but still working remote, uh, got laid off and just decided like to try and tackle a new problem, a hard problem uh, in the form of closed captioning. And at that point in 2015, Rev and 3Play Media existed, but were not really well known. And so through those old relationships that I had from six years prior, I e emailed like two dozen people. Ultimately, you know, about half of them signed up and all of a sudden I was staring down at a real, you know, plethora of content to caption and return and do so in a professional manner and learning all of the rules relating to FCC, US FCC requirements for closed captioning on web video and then figuring out kind of the difference between that and US FCC requirements for television content and then bridging the two so that any content that I captioned could be applied to any platform. Okay, so I want to take a step back because i know there's a there's a step in there's a couple of steps in there that i think you've humbly uh, kind of stepped over first of all is that you were actually a content creator as well and i think that's important because you understand not only have you worked with lots and lots of content creators but actually having been a creator for some time whether that was a long time or not you kind of understand the needs wants pain points of YouTube creators. So tell yeah. us a little bit more about your kind of journey as a creator. As an, as a creator myself, 20, uh, 2009, I started a podcast called meet my followers where I actually interviewed my individual Twitter followers, which was a crazy ride to be able to do that in the early days of Twitter. Uh, but then on the content YouTube side in 26, uh, 2014, rather, I took a trip down to Costa Rica, decided to try and recreate my favorite television show that never aired here in the States, but do so kind of in an internet kind of vibe kind of era that didn't work out. Um, I did, I wasn't happy with the product. And about 18 months after that, I started a daily vlog because I had had multiple friends who had become professional YouTubers doing that kind of content. I never wanted to be a professional YouTuber though. And so I ended up recording every day of my life for 1190 consecutive days. And in that time period was a lot of different transitions. So, you know, that corporate job, that being laid off, starting the closed captioning business, the 48 state road trip. So over the course of six months, I traveled through all 48 contiguous states in, in the U.S., uh, over 30,000 miles. And basically my parents and my family used the vlog as a digital sign of life. And so I've played the game on a smaller level than a lot of the creators that I've worked with, but I understand the machinations behind how to actually piece together content in a meaningful way, but also get content in front of the right audiences. I just didn't play it myself because I didn't feel super confident about who I was at that point and that my voice had a spot. And it was very clear that the vlog space was kind of in a state of transition. And, you know, as we looked at it from 2014, 2015, 2015, 16, 2017, it really has become a very different marketplace where the vlog content really isn't tracking the way that it used to. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, but I just think it's so important that you, you were kind of in those shoes, especially in such an intense way. And I'm not surprised knowing UK that you're a very intense person. So knowing That's that you went 11, <laughs> 1100 days without a break 
it doesn't surprise me, but it's an incredible feat. And it just, you know, that's like years and years of most people's video experience just crammed in to a short space of time. Just just over three and a half years of everyday content. And so like, and that's editing, you know, at, you know, two in the morning, editing first thing in the morning, getting it up at the same time or near enough the same time every day. Um, You know, I, I, I kind of in a lot of ways look at myself more in the production schedule of the Twitch streamers regarding that era of my life versus the traditional YouTube creator. Yeah, and I think it's it set you up perfectly to really understand the mindset and the processes that goes into running uh, a successful YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, you've had all of that experience, you know, it might take other people 10 years to, to get that much experience and you had it condensed uh, down into such a short amount of time i'm I'm not surprised you you know you kind of got the knowledge that you have so you said that you got the a, a kind of few people to sign on early on i happen to know that one of your early clients was a very known very well-known person i'm not sure how well they na- were known at the time i'm pretty sure they were still well known mm-hmm. uh, and that's gary v yep. can you you know, I I can't not ask because I know that our audience were absolutely dying to know what was it like to be uh, an early employee of, of Gary's and what, what what do you take from your your time there? Yeah, I mean, so it's kind of two different pieces. So in 2009, uh, I started the process of actually. So this is after my graduate degree and all that fun. Uh, I actually started the process of trying to become a part of VaynerMedia, uh, which is Gary's agency that is now massive. At that point, it was six people inside the Buddy Media conference room. And I was flying out to New York every other month to kind of impress on Gary and particularly AJ, his brother, the COO of the company at that point, that like I was useful for them based off of my experience, but simultaneously that I could really bring, you know, my experience from the corporate world into what they were looking to do there because they were working with very corporate clients or trying to work with very corporate clients. And so eventually in 2010, I did get hired by VaynerMedia. I was lifetime employee number 17 at the company. Um, and I was moved from Phoenix to Vegas in order to work with Caesars Entertainment and then on to New York where I worked with a handful of brands. But the big one that most people know because of me speaking previously is is uh, I was the guy behind Captain Crunch uh, with with Gary and, and the VaynerMedia brand. Um, things changed, and uh, you know we separated ways. Uh, and then uh, a couple of years later, um, I started pounding Gary when he started doing not only the daily V's but the Ask Gary V's a year prior, saying, "Dude, you got to close caption your content. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this." And it took a year of pounding down on Twitter, pounding down his inbox, pounding it all down to get his attention and finally have him say yes. And once he did, it was an incredible experience working incredibly closely with Team Gary, which the primary points of contact that I had was Andy Cranick, the head of Gary's personal brand. Uh, D-Rock, uh, Tyler Babin were all very, very you know involved in what I was doing. I would say that the working with Team Gary, both kind of internally working with Gary as an employee and also uh, externally as a vendor, it's intense. There's a reason why there's nobody over the age of 35 uh, working on Team Gary, right? It is an all-encompassing, your life is in it. That stated, it is some of the most fun I've ever had working, period, the end. So it's kind of one of those things where it's a trade-off, right? You're constantly working, but you're having a great time doing it, which isn't really work in that regards, but when you look at the volume of content that, you know, was being produced by the team at the end of my closed captioning with them, you know, we're talking hundreds of minutes a day that is being produced for Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Twitter ads, then the actual content long form itself, daily V's, ask Gary V's, and then keynotes. So like, it was just a lot of stuff coming through and it's just, you know, it was a lot of work and, you know, handling a client of that stature requires some things, but ultimately how did I end up getting Gary as a client? We've been friends for, you know, years. Like I just had my 11th anniversary of when I first met Gary and that's through Kevin Rose, who was the same person that founded Revision 3. And and, like, it's this weird string of how I met all these people and how I've leveraged one relationship into the next and been able to provide, I hope, value every step of the way. 
No doubt about it. I'm sure we could have another podcast talking about how well con- <laughs> how well connected you are. You know everyone. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm very fortunate in the fact that I've been able to get access to the right people and the right groups, right? So it, it's one of those things where, you know, being a founding member of the Young Entrepreneur Council, which, you know, I was in that first class of 80, that crew of now more than a thousand, you know, entrepreneurs. And now the admission criteria is that you've got a million dollars in revenue or you've raised a million dollars in venture funding, like to be one of the legacy members and to be able to access that network, it really adds up. Like it's, it's one of those things where I think that while financially, I've never really gone to the extreme edges that some of my friends have, I've invested in these relationships and I know that I'm playing a very long game, which is I think ultimately is why Gary and I are so aligned on a lot of the way that we view things is that I'm playing the game to sit here and work with people for the next 40 to 50 years, pretty much all the time. Now that's stated, will I extract some cash out of folks? Yeah. If I'm creating value, if I'm not, and Tom, you know, this, like I'm not willing to take down, you know, tons of value. I'm not sure that it's actually being produced. Yeah, totally. I can totally, totally vouch for that. So it's, it's, it's been some years now since you've, you've worked with, with Gary on, on his captions, Mm -hmm. but what is the kind of current state of your company kind of captions created? Like how big is it? Are you actively looking for new clients? Is it a big agency? Is it more kind of boutique? How would, how would you describe it as a company? Yeah. Captions created is in kind of a very weird situation, um, at the moment, completely honestly. Uh, so the things that we do differently, unlike the other captioning players, um, is that we use, you know, machine transcription plus two sets of human eyes go over every video. So we get to a very high end of accuracy relating towards actual text and actual timing. But then simultaneously, unlike those other platforms, we have the same captioners caption every video from a creator. So it ends up that, you know, little verbal ticks or muffled sounds or contextually understanding who's speaking in the background, we caption that more like a television show would versus, you know, whatever you would get from some one-off creator there. Now, you know, initially five years ago when I started this, I believe that time horizon for the business was five years, that the machines would ultimately eat this business. It's five years later and we're still captioning stuff. I've got a handful of clients. I'm very select about who I take in at this point, um, you know, up to the point where there's no longer even a website for caps created as of this recording, right? That may change in the next you know month or so because of other things that are going on inside my world. But right now it's like literally like you have to know one of my current clients and get an introduction or you have to know me from one of the few groups that I'm really active in online in order to even understand how to get access to me because like we just we really value, I I truly value the creators that I work with and I get to know their businesses incredibly well because that's the way that my brain works is like I look at business and I try and find ways to sit there and improve their business. And that's kind of very much something that I'm very cognizant of. And so I just don't want to work with anybody. I want to work with somebody who I want to work with for the next 40 or 50 years, like I said previously. Yeah. So if you want to get your captions done by captions created, then uh, you can send me all of your... <laughs> bribes and cheeseburgers and i'll do the introduction to cade and then everyone's <laughs> everyone will be happy so you know you, you you said that when you were working with gary there was a break and then you had you kind of hammered on his door and said gary you absolutely have to be captioning your stuff mm-hmm. i know there's a huge benefit multiple benefits you know from seo terms to being you know more accessible to audiences that are either learning English or hard of hearing, but kind of what is the, what's your business case? How do you, you know, if you had to, if you had to pitch and getting kind of captions for your um, YouTube videos, you know, what's the, what's the big sales pitch there? Not for your company specifically, but just for the process of captioning video. So the biggest one is that we see it more and more where audio off is the first kind of, point of people actually consuming content. Now that can be on social media streams where, you know, audio is not natively on. It could also be that, and I saw this living in New York a ton, people were watching stuff with captions on because the subway was loud. Like it it could be that simple that environmental factors could force people into using closed captions. And if you're just relying on the auto transcriptions, that can be sufficient in some cases if you're single talking head and you're really pronunciating and well-miked. 
but a lot of the time you can sit there and it, it's not enough. And so you have that, that audio off viewing situation, right? You know, stats consistently come out both in the US and the UK and Australia stating that, you know, people with closed captioning on television and on the internet, which is a lower, you know, sample source, but regarding TV, 80% of them actually don't have any hearing impairment. It's environmentals that are preventing them or they want to actually be able to catch up should they miss something on a show. Like my sister for years, like years and years before I even started the closed captioning business, she always had captions on on her TV. And the reason for that was she's just constantly doing multiple things. She and I are very similar in that respect. Um, but as you mentioned as well regarding the long tail search results, this is this is something that so many people misunderstand inside of closed captioning is that like you have your primary key term and I know the listeners of this audience, they, they know how to target terms in their, you know, initial thumbnail, initial title, initial description, tags, even if they don't matter as much as they once did. But what they don't understand is that captioning allows for those secondary terms to be indexed as well and the additional terms. So let's say that you have something for wrist pain, but then you have the additional search term for wrist pain solution, but that's said inside of your video. Google and YouTube, even though they say they don't, they absolutely do index that. And so if you don't rank as a number one search term for the shorter term that you're actually targeting, you can rank number one or number two or on the first page, whatever the barrier of entry is for you to get on for that extended term, which could be one of the auto pop terms that comes up. Yeah, I think it's only going to be more and more important as we see YouTube, uh, sorry, we see Google kind of um, showing like featured clips in the search results. So they're actually picking out parts of videos that answer questions and just showing a clip. And, you know, there's no better way for them to do that than you've, than you've got it easily spelled out in your captions. Um, so, yeah, I think this is only going to get more and more important as time goes by. Have you ever heard any statistics as to the kind of um, – kind of benefits in numbers. So I've heard it kind of put around um, that having well-made captions could uplift views by as much as 5%. I'm not quite sure where the source of that comes from or how that's been ratified or not. Have you, have you heard anything similar or do you have any other numbers that you've, you've seen in the past? I have not done anything scientific, right? But I can point to the uplift that I've seen when I do back catalog runs for clients. So one of the things that we do at Caps Created is we offer the service of, you know, Hey, you started, you start up with us, we get a captioner spun up on you. Um, and that can be, you know, a week or two weeks of content that we kind of race through. So like, you know, a video or two a day, um, kind of doing like a, what we call a mini back catalog so that they can learn the way that you present, the way that you um, make reference to things, make sure that the captions are accurate if you're using specific industry terms. Uh, and so then after that, we then will go back and say, Hey, you know, for a one-time fee, we'll go and do every video that's ever been on your channel. And what we find is that that five to even as much for certain videos that we're already ranking, it can be as high as 8%. Like we've seen those bumps happen in content that's years old. And so that's one of those things where like as much as Google and YouTube say they don't index based off of that, like it happens so consistently that it's bonkers that they're saying that it doesn't matter. Um, and so that's, that for me is where it's like, it's all anecdotal because I can't say like, Hey, this is the baseline from the last 90 days. And then we caption and then here's the 90 days because quite frankly, myself as a caption provider and the content creator as well, we don't really care because we're doing it for other reasons, right? They're doing it to be able to do micro content on social media. They're doing it to, to be able to find stuff, which I think we'll get into later on in their back catalog for reuse. And so that's something that I think that is very, very interesting. And ultimately, I don't have those hard numbers, but I do have tons of experience relating to watching pops happen because of back catalog um, captioning happening. And then obviously, if you're doing it pre-caption before the first release, that can actually increase the, the amount of watch time and things like that that's happening because, you know, you're, you're engaging people in a second manner if they have the captions on. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you're saying that sometimes YouTube say stuff that might not actually be true. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's one I, of the, I can't believe it. I can't. I mean, we've, we've, we've never we've never said that on this podcast. Yeah. No, well, it's just you know, I think that YouTube at this point is such a large mountain of code, right? And there's certain things that we've even seen relating to the COPPA situation where they turned off bits and pieces of the uh, comment system. Like you saw at certain points, myself and a handful of other of my coder friends were like calling into Google and you know figuring out like that. That code that runs the comment sections has not been touched for seven years. Like that should give you an idea on the kind of stuff that actually happens behind the scenes that they're focusing so much on the core content storage and distribution that certain pieces of legacy code exist in meaningful ways. I mean, we see it, you know, regarding the studio beta, right? You and I have had conversations about how much of a struggle it has been to try and force clients yeah. into using that because certain features just don't exist. Yeah. It's when I talk about studio beta, I always refer back to the fact that if you want to customize your channel, not only do you not, are you not able to do it in the kind of new interface, but you actually have to revert to the previous interface to update your channel art and anything like that so to think that it's all going to be smooth sailing over to the new studio is kind of crazy 100 agree i mean my biggest thing on that is that you know playlists right the core feature of playlists that youtube has had for years and years and years is the ability to just throw a brick of youtube urls at a playlist and it would automatically pull in all of those features in the new playlist that isn't even there anymore. You can't use the thing that it was natively built into playlists when they released playlists the first time. It's no longer there. You have to do it video by video and you can't do it in a meaningful way. You have to like Byzantinely use the watch later feature in order to then select them all and pump them all into a single list. It's absolutely maddening. <laughs> yes, but I'm sure it's all for the greater good as uh, YouTube wants us to, uh, to all be happy using the setup that they want. I'm not sure why they're so um, bent on the change or why they need needed to do such a, a wholesale upgrade. They kind of love to sunset features as and when they want. I'm just waiting for the day that it officially kind of closes off so I can go and see all of the lovely tools that I used to, <laughs> to, used to use that I can no longer use. One non-ironic thing that i am looking forward to is that when it does finally switch over completely i can finally update my book safe in the knowledge that i'm not going to have to redo like 75 screenshots again so you and a handful of my friends right i mean our, our some of our mutual friends as well who have written books in 2015 2016 2017 about creating you know successful youtube channels like all of you are just holding your breath for that change to happen yeah, yeah absolutely so speaking of code I want to talk to you about the the real reason, the really exciting stuff. I want to talk to you about your new tool, mm -hmm. uh, your new app, which when I so, so first got my hands on it, I could not believe it. Like it was, it is so amazing because it just works. Thanks, man. Um, and it's the kind of thing that in previous life in the corporate world to have access to something like this would have been an absolute game changer for editorial teams that have got big back catalogs mm -hmm. of video and, you know, equally for individual creators that have got, you know, 500, a thousand, even, you know, a hundred videos. Mm -hmm. The tool I'm talking about is called when was that said, and I'm going to let you do it justice by telling us what it does. So the very short version on when was that said is that it allows you to search inside the spoken content inside of YouTube videos. That is the core delivery mechanism that it has. Now, how it does that is a couple of different factors, right? We can leverage up the closed captioning if you're doing that actively or you're allowing your community to do it. But also, I can leverage machines to either transcribe it using better systems or even sucking in the YouTube auto transcription, which isn't perfect, but it's better than nothing to be able to find stuff inside of the videos. And so that is, uh, it is an incredibly useful tool and how it actually became to be is actually in 2017 when I was working with Gary and his team and it was growing from, you know, two to three to four to six to eight to 10 editors. 
what was happening was, is that a lot of these folks that were coming in were interns who hadn't watched a ton of Gary's content, didn't know where they could find the things. And so as their, as the closed captioner who was reviewing, doing final reviews on every piece of content that Gary was you know, producing, I knew where a lot of this stuff was just natively because I've been a friend of Gary's. I've been a fan of Gary's like it. it so I knew where it was. And so I could say, Oh, that was in the keynote at LinkedIn in 2019 or 2013 from, you know, January. And it's got the blue background on it. And they would be amazed and astonished by this. And ultimately I ended up writing the first version of the, when was that said tool and then enlisting a company to bulk it out uh, for me. Um, but that was just for the clients that I was doing active captions for this new version that, you know, you saw the super early beta for in September. It, it, it allows me to do it for any channel on YouTube, regardless of whether or not I have access. And quite frankly, I don't have access to anybody's YouTube studio backend. I never get an OAuth permission. I don't get anything. All I'm using is the front end interface in order to be able to get that data out of the system. And it's, a, it's an incredible tool. And I, and I find it incredibly useful for so many different people. But then I see so many people misusing the tool in interesting ways in, in this early beta period that it's exciting to see kind of where this can go because, you know, these creators, these agencies, these companies are using it in very interesting and meaningful ways to create montages, to do background research on influencer campaigns, um, to do keyword research, making sure that the keywords that they're targeting are actually said inside of the video or going back and reshooting things. Very interesting alternative use cases for it, or even micro content for social media, including Instagram post, Twitter, Facebook, on and on and on. So apart from the obvious, like trying to remember, you know, oh, when did I make a video about when did I talk about that new keyword research tool or when uh -huh. did I mention you know chocolate cake in my one of my recipes or when did I you know where's where are the times that I've said my catchphrase so I can put it into a super edit what are, what are some of the kind of use cases you're seeing in the real world ones that you envisioned and ones that you mentioned that you didn't probably envision when you first started yeah. So the first one is, you know, that, that entire finding of content, right? So the ability to sit there and say, okay, Hey, that catchphrase, like I first said that in this video four years ago, right? And doing that supercut is always fun to do on a year end recap or on a season recap, whatever it ends up being, right? That's super useful. And that's something that I, I truly knew was going to be a part of it, right? The, the sub clipping of content especially when it's long form, when you're looking at, you know, a 60 minute keynote from Gary or from David Meltzer, um, who's a big time agent inside of the sports world. Uh, you know, you've got these long form pieces and then they're trying to cut out 60 seconds for a Twitter piece, right? To be able to sit there and not have that editor sit there and have to watch an hour long piece in order to find that it, where that is just to reference it, you know, to go back and say, Hey, like, I know that it's at 14 minutes, 12 seconds and 10 frames and that the clip should end at, you know, 14 minutes, 55 seconds and two frames to be able to say that that's, a, that's a massive win. Um, like I said, that, that the agency that came to me and asked for access to the tool in order to do research on influencers is something that I never could have dreamed of, never could have dreamed of. And it's, it's really interesting because what they're doing is they're working with a brand partner, right? They're the agency of record for influencer relations and they're going in and they're doing back research on not just the last 90 days worth of content, but looking back to the original point on the channel to see if there's anything that's offensive, if there's anything that's against that brand, if there's an affinity for a competing brand, really interesting alternative use case in that regard. Um, you know, I've, I've got one channel in particular that's using frequency of terms in order to define what merch they have their artist create art for that then goes into t-shirts and mugs. Like I would have never thought that you could use a search engine tool to do merch, but sure enough, you actually can. Yeah. So at the, uh, we should probably mention that you can actually find and play around with this tool uh, completely free by going to when was that said.com and you can search the channels that have um, are lucky enough to be already have been indexed. Uh, you might spot a familiar handsome face in there. And I'm not talking about you, Cade. At the moment, you we can the, the kind of feature set is I search for something mm -hmm. and it returns the video URLs for me um, that I can then use to my heart desires. But what are the other kind of future feature sets that you either are in the process of building, have built, or is in your kind of 
pipeline yeah. to to build? What kind of functionality can we see in the future from when was that? Set? So when was it said as it currently stands, right? Like you said, and I think this is meaningful to point out here is that when you get to that search results page, so let's say that you search for chocolate cake on a cooking channel, right? The search results page will actually break out all of the links as it stands today as we're as of recording, which might change in the time period between now and when this episode gets released. But it actually gives you a link directly to three seconds before that's said inside of the video. So you can click it and actually see it open up in a new tab, what exactly, you know, that video says. So it's super useful for verification that like the context around that search term makes sense for use. Um, but the future features, right? So one of the pieces that has yet to be moved from the 1.0 to the 2.0 is this caption clipping tool. That caption clipping tool is really, really useful in the fact that, like, like I said, you can take individual pieces out from the longer form pieces of content and reuse them on social media. So in particular, Facebook and Twitter, like if you wanted to just lift you know, a section, a 60 second section, and then have the captions in the native format for those platforms, you can actually do that using the caption clipping tool, which I'm in final kind of pieces on moving for the new version. Um, the next piece that I've got on my kind of dev board is multiple channels, one search engine. So a lot of channels, the larger massively produced, you know, multiple editor channels have two or three channels for either public consumption where it's, you know, siloed off by individual pieces um, or content types, or that there's a dark channel where all of the original recordings live, and then there's the public channel. Um, this is super common for celebrities. Um, so that their, their team isn't limited by, you know, hey, having access to that one hard drive in that one editor's house that all of the content lives on this dark channel that nobody sees. Um, so having that multiple channels one search engine could be useful for customer support could be useful for um, edit multiple editor teams and things like that and then finally the last piece that i'm really trying to get to before the kind of march april time frame is the ability for creators to verify their own captions is accurate so you know it's not just that hey you know I can see that this is a caption file that was created inside of the youtube ecosystem that was you know posted which I can't tell if it's a community caption or if it's a professional caption. I can't tell. All I can tell is that it's there. And for you to go in there and say, yes, I verify that that is accurate to the second. And my hope is with that additional data that I'll be able to give some kind of verification to people searching that that is known good data. And so those are the pieces that are coming down the pipeline in kind of a semi-immediate fashion here in the next kind of 16 to 90 days. And what about the kind of, uh, I think it's probably somewhere in between, which is like the playlisting feature. So you use the example of like chocolate cake. If I search my cooking channel for chocolate cake, how easy is it for me to generate a playlist of all the chocolate cake videos that when was that said? Generates? Yeah, so that's actually alive right now. So it's a big, gigantic red button that says create playlist. And what it does is it takes all of the videos that are inside that, that contain that search term and throws them all into a single text field where you can copy and paste their, that out or you could back in the day with a bulk uploader. Um, but then like you have all of the reference URLs. I've also recently, because of the way that the bulk uploader is broken or non-existent in the new version, um, created a single button click that will actually take the first 50 videos on that list and instantly create a playlist for you that you can immediately see. You can edit, you can do anything that you need to, you can save those down to the watch later list and then move all those files into a specific playlist as well. So that is incredibly useful if you have a specific type of content that you're, you know, intermittently doing, right? So if you're doing, you know, home repairs, how to's, you know, things regarding plumbing would make a lot of sense to segment off into their own playlist. Um, maybe not all the videos, but you at least have all of the videos that's included in to start with. And then you can whittle down to kind of that ideal five to 10 to 15 video playlist that, you know, you're more likely to get a complete watch through on. Yeah, I absolutely love this feature because one thing that I tell most clients that I consult with or that I audit, I actually just hung up on uh, on a call just before I joined this uh, recording with a client. And one of my main tips was like, you should be creating a new playlist every single week based on some keyword research because you've got a great catalog, but you've got hardly any playlists and you can easily create playlists around stuff that you know people are searching for 
and target those keywords without creating any new content. And if you can use a tool like this to create that playlist without even having to do the kind of dirty work, then it just becomes even more of a no-brainer. And it's, it's, it could be a real game-changer for people that have got, you know, really, really, really big catalogs. So, yeah, just, again, just mind-blown <laughs> at the uh, at the tool and, and, your, and your abilities, Kate. It's just incredible. So if I'm sitting at home now just, mm-hmm. like, playing around with the yep. tool and I'm just like, oh, please index my channel like yesterday... Yep. How does how does someone go about that? So right now, as it, as of recording today, I'm actually not selling access to the tool because I'm still developing the core features. That stated, <laughs> that, but remember, remember, people, I take bribes. <laughs> that stated, here's what I'm going to do because I know the listeners to this podcast are the exact kinds of people that I you know have worked with before. I enjoy working with the most. Um, is that if you head over to what, when was that said.com slash video insiders, there's going to form there. Um, and that form is going to allow you to insert your information, your channel URL, your name and your email address. And what I'll do is up until I fully release this, whenever I do and start charging people for it, I'll accept, uh, your channel in and I'll index the last 50 episodes of your content. Um, and then at that point I'll open up a discussion with you because I'm going to send you an email telling you it's indexed. And if this is something that you really, really need, we'll talk about what it would take in order for me to be able to index your entire channel. And I think that this is the kind of stuff where if you've got a specific use case that we haven't covered here, or that you think is really useful for X, Y, Z reason, make your case. Like I'm not going to say no to the opportunity to work with people, but at the same time, I know where I want this tool to be at before I call this an official 2.0 launch. And I know that with the work stuff that I'm working on, it may take me a little longer to get there. And as a result, I don't want to hold up the people here who want access to at least getting their their beak wet inside of uh, the tool itself and what it could potentially do. Amazing. That's so generous. Uh, I know that you're going to get absolutely inundated (laughs) uh, because who wouldn't want to take up that offer? Can you just confirm that URL for us again, Cade? And we'll make sure it's in the show notes. Yeah. So that's when was that said.com slash video insiders amazing that's so generous before i let you go the kind of tools and services that you're working on are amazing but i know you (laughs) i know you're probably i imagine that you've probably got kind of you're probably sitting on like you're probably on a stand-up desk or a treadmill desk you're probably like using like a stress ball in one hand and like those wrist weights and another and you're probably thinking about your next project like i know i know you're you're disciplined and you you know you don't really suffer from you know shiny object syndrome but i know that you're full of ideas so i'd love to know what is what's the kind of dream projects that you've got kind of in the in the shoebox of idea shoebox that you're just waiting to release on the world in the future. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because, you know, I work, you know, Tom, I built a tool for you. I've built dashboards for other companies. I build scrapers and things like that using Python and Selenium for other folks. It's been, it's been a crazy little ride. Um, but the things that like are currently ideas that I've got in my list of ideas that it lives in OmniFocus that I can't stop thinking about. Um, there's one that uh, I own the namespace on the .com in particular called Bot does it, which is going to focus on kind of the ideas against like repetitive tasks. So one of the things that you and I have worked on previously, Tom, is getting certain pieces of data out of the tools and tool sets like AREFs and vidIQ and TubeBuddy into a combined kind of resource. And to be able to sit there and have that be done by a robot instead of you copying, pasting these things makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, uh, last week I sat there and I saw a request from somebody inside of a Slack community that I'm super a part of. And uh, she asked to unfollow everybody on her Twitter following list. And so, you know, there are tools out there that exist, but for whatever reason, she couldn't use them, didn't want to. Uh, and so I built a Python script that went in and unfollowed everybody <laughs> on her Twitter and her Instagram accounts. Um, so things like that, I think, are, are very interesting. The next area of opportunity, which still, as of even the last, you know, 12 months, feels very YouTube 2008, 2009 to me, is Twitch. Um, and so I'm very interested in that. I've got a potential collaboration with uh 
twitch.com slash she snaps Jess, uh, aka mind of snaps everywhere else online um, to create troll bingo. It's something that she does that uh, DK Ferguson, aka DK Grumpy inside of her community um, created where when a troll comes into a chat chat room, they do something irresponsible, offensive, whatever. We actually play a game out of it. And so what we're thinking of doing is creating not only the game board itself to be applicable to multiple channels, but then also having resources in relating to mental health and uh, you know taking care of yourself while creating content online. I think it's a really interesting piece. Amazing. Yeah, so please be careful. Um what you mention in a Slack group or what you tweet <laughs> at Cade, because he might just like accidentally stay up all night and just like build it. It, <laughs> like, it has been done multiple times. Yeah. It's one of those things where if yes. I get a, and it's funny, you know, I did this recently as recently as two nights ago. Um, when something gets in my head, uh, I have a real problem of setting it aside uh, and, and like being able to even sleep. Um, so like I will, if, something bugs me and I know it's a simple enough solution and I know I can get it done in less than two or three hours. Like it, it's, it's a real problem where I will wake up at three in the morning and just be like, okay, I guess, I, I guess it's go time. And then like, I, fortunately I work for myself so I can get it done, work out and then go to sleep for a couple hours. But yeah, it is a real dangerous part of my personality, especially if it's somebody who I like and somebody who I've interacted with before. It's like real dangerous. And Tom, you've seen this in action. Of like, hey, I have this idea for this one additional feature, and then like it becomes this litany of emails going back and forth across eight time zones. It's just a blast. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just waiting for the day for uh, you to have kids, Kate, because once you can solve my kids not going to sleep, then uh, then you're going to be a billionaire. I, so. I actually have an idea regarding this, and that's, <laughs> it's something that because <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. That does not. Surprise it's actually me. one of the things that I have done because of my just kind of pent up energy and whatnot is finding ways to slow things down. So like I have very efficient kind of morning routines that are really set in stone. In the last year, I've really applied wind down routines. Um, so in particular, right, the last hour and a half of my day, there is not a screen on in my house. Uh, the last hour and a half includes 15 minutes of meditation, then sitting down and, and working on an adult coloring book with a glass of sleepy time tea, right? I think that all of those things could be applied to your kids as well to wind them down and to get them into a position where then you get them into bed and then, you know, whatever that bedtime routine is for them. Um, it's, it's really useful. I think structure is one of the things that most people hate for the wrong reasons. They had it applied to them too early or in the wrong fashion. You know, I, Jocko Willink is one of those guys who I look up to a great deal and his book title is um, Freedom Equals Discipline or Discipline Equals Freedom, rather. Um, it's one of those things that I truly ultimately believe in. So if you can sit there and if you can apply the same kinds of environments and triggers to your kids, I promise they will respond. I hope you will be proven right. <laughs> I'll try it. Give it a shot. I'll, Give it a shot. My promise is... I'll, my, try, I'll try it, but you, you, you can be the one that has to tell them they can't watch YouTube before they go to bed. I mean, you know, that, that, <laughs> that is a fight that is individual between each of the kids. That stated my request for these kinds of changes is to make it, make an effort for 14 days. I will, I will try it, and I will, I will report back <laughs> I'm results. super interested to hear how it goes. Well, if you see the bags under my eyes start to shrink, you know that it's right. <laughs> Cade, thank you so much. Again, I'll remind everyone that link, a very generous offer to index your last 50 videos was at whenwasthatsaid.com forward slash video insiders. Cade, how else can we follow your musings and tweet or the tools that we want built? At you <laughs> yeah. Like so, uh, public situations, um, you know, Twitter is at Cade Dworkin, just my name. Um, I'm, I've got an Instagram account. I don't do anything on it. So if you send me a DM, don't expect a response there. Um, the best way to actually get really, really on my radar. If you have something that's, that you think is super interesting is to send me an email and you could do that at Kate at when was that said, if you're looking for a specific development thing, I do separate that out a little bit and that's Kate at let's build something fun.com. Um, so Kate at when was that said.com Kate at let's build something fun.com. And, uh, yeah, those are the two kind of places where you can definitely send long form things. Or if you just wanted to say hello, um, I am an inbox zero proponent. And so you will get a response from me very quickly. It may not include all of the response. It may just be, Hey, I'm on it, 
but you'll see that uh, I, I will get back to you as soon as I possibly can. Okay, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I'm looking forward to working with you more in the future. I know that we've got some potential projects uh, that we won't say anything too much more about right now. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to more of what's coming with what, when was that said? I'm sure all of our audience are too. So again, thank you so much, Cade. And uh, I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, buddy. You know what? Uh, that was, I, I, I want to, I don't want to be typical and say like, that was amazing, but it was really eye-opening. Cade sounds like the perfect person for us to hang with. I have to give you a little bit of an anecdote. Over the last, I would say, few months, once I, once I decided to go full on my own and, and sort of poke around in this space, I've been connecting more and more with people who think like me. Mm-hmm. And less about the creators, but more about the behind the scenes and people who are sort of like into weeds, but also strategically and doing things differently. And uh, Cade sounds like just that type of person who's been around, has done a lot, you know, has experimented on the platform. Uh, he's experimented way more than me. Also, he doesn't want to be technically want to be a creator. He likes the behind the scenes. So it, it was really interesting to hear his conversation, his experiences, uh, the whole thing with Gary V. And just a little side note, uh, my wife is a good friend of Gary V. She knew him way, way back when, when he was doing his wine vlog on YouTube, uh, something like 10 years ago so yeah it's a small world yeah you hit the nail on the head not only is he kind of a a brilliant genius but super cool guy so much energy i think uh, a great story that that sums him up is that i met him for kind of late breakfast last time at vid summit and uh he was chugging back some kind of energy drink <laughs> some <laughs> ungodly early morning hour and i'm like dude how on earth and it makes sense because he's a million miles an hour but um he's a brilliant brilliant guy and also i just don't think he realizes how smart he is because he'll be talking to me about something and he'll get technical and i'll have absolutely no idea what he's talking about but i'm just kind mm-hmm. of just sitting there in awe and i'm like as long as it works, that's, you know, that's, that's, this is what I need. <laughs> How you get there, I'll leave that to you because you're the smart guy. I'm the dumb person that just needs this. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, he's already built two amazing tools and I, I can only imagine what he's, what he's got. I'd know what I'd love him to work on next and maybe a, some kind of joint venture. We'll, uh, maybe leave that to another interview. But have you, have you had a chance to poke around with, uh, uh, when was that said? No, but it was sort of like a fascinating tool. And by by the time this video goes out, I'll have a chance to poke around in it. But yeah, I'm like, I, I was like, what the hell is this tool? Like, is it a transcriber? Is it something for, you know, closed captions? And although he did describe it a bit, like, can you like, you know, sort of like give me like the, the huh? What, what exactly, what's the value here? What's yeah, the, so, the key? Yeah. So the TLDR is basically, it's a search engine for anything that's been said in any of your videos. So instead of searching wow. via yeah. tags, descriptions, titles, you're actually searching the scripts and the transcripts of every single video you've ever released on a single channel. So the way I tested it was, um, on my friend Hyla's channel, I actually appeared in one of her videos um, cause I, she's got a cooking channel and I sent her some English snacks, uh, famously monster munch. I don't know if you get those in Canada. They're very delicious. And, uh, mm-hmm. so to test if it would work, I, her channel has been indexed by the tool. You can check it out. And, uh, I searched for monster munch and it just brought up the videos in which monster munch were mentioned and it just works. It's incredible. You know, the, the use cases, from someone from me that's come from a media background i'm immediately thinking well you know i've got uh a thousand uh recipe videos and i want to make a playlist because it's national chocolate day search for every time the word chocolate is mentioned it's going to bring up all of the videos in which the word chocolate is said in the in the script and i'm just going to press one button and that's going to become my national chocolate playlist but you could use that for making you know edited compilations and you know if you could imagine you know those really cool kind of trailers uh where you know there's like a a great witty one-liner that kind of punctuates the trailer you're searching for that one line also you know you can imagine all of those like 
cassette boy type mashups where they're trying to get famous people to kind of sing songs. Well, you know, now you could easily find every time you've mentioned the specific word you're looking for to fit it into that song. It's just, I think the use cases are, are, are endless and knowing some of the top secret features that are coming down the line, which I'm not allowed to release yet, <laughs> it's, it's only going to be just That's even amazing. Better. It's going to be incredible. So yeah, check it out. When was that said.com great name, great domain as well. Yeah. And then he has also a special offer for us, right? And we'll put it in the show. Notes. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. It was great to discover him and I'm going to reach out to him and see how we can work together. So yeah. So thank you, Cade. Yes. Thank you, Cade. And if there's anyone who you think has an interesting story, someone that the YouTube audience should hear, please get in touch on the socials at video insiders, or you can email us hello at video insiders.fm. And you can also just give us your very, very gushing feedback about our podcast. Yes. And obviously, if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with a colleague or a friend who gets this space, who's trying to understand this space and who's trying to understand how the YouTube, uh, the the sausage gets made (laughs) on YouTube. So again, thank you very much. And we cannot uh, say goodbye without saying another huge thank you to our amazing sponsor, TubeBuddy. And remember, you can get an exclusive Video Insiders discount by visiting Video Insiders insiders.fm forward slash buddy. Big thanks to buddy. Have yourselves an awesome couple of weeks. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye.